6. Lee more solid in color than drawing rooms and so need deeper tones in the rugs. The choice is wide, and the color scheme can be the deciding note if one is buying new rugs. If one already has rugs they must be the foundation for the color scheme of the room. Furnishing with French furniture, this is my Louis XVI drawing room, said a lady, proudly displaying her house. What makes you think so? Asked her a well-informed friend. To guard against the possibility of such biting humor one must be ever on the alert in furnishing a period room. It is not a bow not and a rococo curve or two that will turn a modern room, fresh from the builder's hands, into a Louis XV drawing room. French furniture is not appropriate to all kinds of houses, and it is often difficult to adapt it to circumstances over which one has no control. The leisurely and pleasant custom of our ancestors of building a house as they wished it, and what is more, living in it for generations, is more or less a thing of the past. Nowadays a house is built, and is complete and beautiful in every way, but almost before the housewarming is over, business is sitting on the doorstep, and so the family moves on. We, as a nation, have not the comfortable point of view of the English who consider their home, their home, no matter how the outside world may be behaving, their front doors are the protection which ensures their cherished privacy, and the feeling that they are as settled as the everlasting hills gives a calmness to their attitude toward life which is often missing from ours. How many times have we heard people say when talking over plans, have it thus and so, for it would be much better in case we ever care to sell, this attitude to which of course there are hundreds of exceptions, is an outgrowth of our busy life and our tremendous country. The larger part of the home ideal is the one which Americans so firmly believe in and act upon that it is the spirit and atmosphere which makes a home, and not only the bricks and mortar. It is this point of view which makes it possible for many of us to live happily in rented houses whose architecture and arrangement often give us cold shivers. We are not to blame if all the proportions are wrong, and there is a certain pleasure in getting the better of difficulties. If one is building a house, or is living in one plan with a due regard to some special period, and has a well-thought-out scheme of decoration, the work is much simplified, but if one has to live in the average nondescript house and wishes to use French furniture, the problem will take time and thought to solve. In this kind of house, if one cannot change it at all, it is better to keep as simple and inobtrusive a background as possible. To have the color scheme and hangings and furniture so beautiful that they are a convincing reason themselves of the need of their being there. But one should not try to turn the room itself into a period room, for it would mean failure. The walls may be covered with a light plain paper, or silk, the woodwork enameled white or cream or ivory, and then with one's mirrors and furnishings, the best thing possible has been done, and it ought to be a charming room, if not a perfect one. If one can make a few changes I advise new lighting fixtures and a new mantel, for these two important objects in the room are conspicuous and nearly always wrong. It is almost impossible to give a list of furniture for each room in a house, as each house is a lot unto itself, but the fundamental principles of beauty and utility and appropriateness apply to all. The furniture of the time of Louis Exide, having so much that is magnificent about it, is especially well sweet to large rooms for state occasions great ballrooms and state drawing rooms. These rooms not being destined for everyday use should be treated as a brilliant background, paneling, painting, tapestry, and gilding should decorate the walls, and beautiful lights and mirrors should aid in the effect of brilliancy. It must be done with such knowledge that there is no suggestion of an hotel about it. Console tables, and large and dignified chairs should be used for furniture, 
Nothing small and fussy in the way of ornaments should be put in the rooms, for they would be completely out of scale and ruin the effect. Every house does not need these rooms for the elaborate side of life, and the average drawing room is a much simpler affair. If both kinds are required the simpler one should be in the same general style as the great rooms, but not on so grand a scale. If the style of Louis XV is chosen for all, in the family drawing and living rooms the paneling, or dado, and furniture should be of the simpler kind, and beautiful, gay, and home-like rooms, evolved with soft-colored brocades, bovise or gobelin tapestry, and either gilded or enameled or natural walnut furniture. The armchairs or burgers of both Louis XV and Louis XVI are very comfortable. The chaise longue cannot be surpassed, and the settees of different shapes and sizes are delightful. There need be no lack of comfort in any period room, whether French or English. A music room, to be perfect, should not have heavy draperies to deaden the sound, and the window and door openings should be treated architecturally to make this possible. In a French music room the walls may be either paneled, or have a dado with a soft tint above it. This space may be treated in several ways, it may have silk panels outlined with moldings, or dainty pastoral scenes painted and framed with wreaths and garlands of composition. The style of the Regency with its use of musical instruments for decorative motifs is also attractive. The chairs should be comfortable. The light soft and well-shaded side lights, with a plentiful supply near the piano. Illustration, a beautiful doorway in the bedroom of the Empress. Compiègne. The fastening shows how much thought was expended on small matters, so the balance of decoration would be kept. The chairs are Louis XVI. A piano is usually a difficulty for they are so unwieldy and dark that they are quite out of cue with the rest of the room. We have become so used to its ugliness, however, that, sad to say, we are not so much shocked by it as we should be, thinking it a necessary evil. If we walk through the showrooms of one of the great piano companies we shall see that this is a mistake, for there are many cases made of light-colored woods, and some have a much more graceful outline than the regulation piano. Cases can be made to order to suit any scheme. If one has a competent designer, a music room should not have small and meaningless ornaments in it. The ideal is a restful and charming room where one may listen with an undistracted mind. The modern dining room with all its comforts is really of English descent. In France, even in the 18th century, only the palaces and great houses had rooms especially set apart for dining rooms. Usually a small antechamber was used, which served as a boudoir or reception room between meals. To our more established point of view it seems a very casual method. At last, late in the century, the real ideal of a dining room began to gain ground, and although they were very different from ours, we find really charming ones described and pictured. The walls were usually light in tone, paneled, with graceful ornamentation, and often there were niches containing wall fountains of delightful design. The sideboards were either large side tables, or a species of side table built in niches with a fountain between them which was used as a wine cooler. These fountains where cupids and dolphins disported themselves would be a most attractive feature to copy in some of our rooms, in country houses especially. The tables were round or square, but not the extension type which came later from England, and the chairs were comfortable, with broad upholstered or cane seats, and rather low backs. There should be a screen to harmonize with the room in front of the pantry door. We also add hangings, for as I have said many times, our window frames are not a decoration in themselves. Old prints show most delightfully the manner in which curtains were hung when they were used, the very elaborate methods, however, 
were not used by the better class. A morning room should be furnished as a small informal living room, and the simpler style of the chosen period used, the style of Louis XVI is beautifully adapted to libraries, for they do not have to be dark and solid in style, as many seem to think. In fact a library may be in any style if carried out with the true feeling and love of books, but of course some styles are more appropriate than others. In a Lewis XVI library the paneling gives way to the built-in bookcases which are spaced with due regard to keeping the correct proportions. There is usually a cupboard space running round the room about the height of a dado and projecting a little beyond the bookcases above. The colors of the rugs and hangings may be warm and rich as the books give the walls a certain strength. There are also beautiful reproductions of bedroom furniture, chairs and dressing tables, desks, chiffoniers and chaises long days, and beds, and irons, side lights for the walls and dressing table, doorknobs and locks, can all be carried out perfectly, lamp and candle shades and sofa cushions should all be in keeping, the walls may be paneled in wood enameled with white or some light color, or they may be covered with silk or paper, in a panel design, with curtains to match. There are lovely designs in French period stuffs. The rugs most appropriate for French period rooms are light or medium in tone, and of Persian design. The floral patterns of the Persians seem to harmonize better with the curves and style of furniture than do the geometrical designs of the Caucasian rugs. Savonnery and Arbusan rugs may also be used, if chosen with care, and the plain carpets and rugs mentioned later are a far better choice than gaudy orientals of modern make, or bad imitations. Country houses The country house is a comparatively modern idea, and one which has added much to the joy of life. There are all kinds and conditions of them, great and small, grand and simple, and each is a joy to the proud possessor. Life was such a turbulent affair in the Middle Ages that country life in the modern sense was an impossibility. The chateau and castles and large manor houses were strongly fortified, and there were inner courts for exercise, when war became the exception and not the rule. The inherent love in all human beings for the open began to assert itself, and the country house idea began to grow. Italy was the first country where we find this freedom of attitude exemplified in the beautiful Renaissance villas near Rome and Florence. The best were built during the 16th century, and were owned by the great Italian families, like the de' Medici and d'Este. They seem more like places built for the parade and show of life than homes, but the home ideal with all its conveniences was another outgrowth of peace. The plan of an Italian villa is very interesting to study, to see how every advantage was taken of the land, how the residence, or casino, was placed in regard to the formal garden and the view over the valley, for they were usually on a hillside and the slope was terraced, how the statues and fountains, the beautiful ilex and cypress and orange trees, the box-edged flower beds and gravel paths, all formed a wonderful setting for the house, and together made a perfect whole. The Italian villa was not necessarily large. In fact the villa landing contains only six acres, which are divided into four terraces, the house being on the second and built in two parts, one on each side. Each terrace has a beautiful fountain, with a cascade connecting those on the fourth and third. This villa is indeed, an example of taking advantage of a fairly small space. It was built by the great Vignola in 1547, and although slightly showing the wear of time, has all the beauty and charm and romance which only centuries can give. The Italian villa can be adapted to the American climate and scenery and point of view, but it must be done by one of the architects who have made a deep study of the Italian Renaissance so the true feeling will be kept. There are some beautiful examples already in the country. In France, 
The chateaux which had most influenced country house building are those which were built during the 16th century, many of them during the reign of Francis I. Among the number are Azaleridia, Chanonciou, and Charmont. Blois and Amboise are also absorbingly interesting, but belong partly to an earlier time. The Chateau region in Durane is a treasure land of architectural beauty. In the time of Louis Exidial Notre changed many of these old chateaux from their fortified state to the more open form made possible by a peaceful life. We turn to England for the most perfect examples of country houses, for the theory of country living is so thoroughly understood there. One might really say it is a national institution. Many of the manor houses, both great and small, are beautiful examples of Tudor architecture, which seems especially sweet to their setting of lovely green parks. The smaller country house, which has no pretentile on to being a show place, is as perfect in its way. The English love for out-of-doors makes them achieve wonders with even small gardens, and the climate, being gentle, helps matters immensely. In America we are taking up the English country house ideal more and more and adapting it to our own needs. The question of architecture is a question of personal choice influenced by climate, and there are now numberless charming houses scattered over the length and breadth of the land which have been built with the purpose of being country homes. They are not for summer use only, but all the year round keep their hospitable doors open, or else the season begins so early and ends so late, that, with the holiday time between, the house hardly seems closed at all. It is this attitude which is changing country house architecture to a great extent. The terraces and porches and gardens and glass houses are all there, but the house itself is more solidly built and is prepared to stand cold weather. For the average American the best types of country house to choose from are the smaller Tudor manor houses, Italian villas, Georgian architecture in England, and our own colonial style which of course was founded on the Georgian. In the south and southwestern parts of this country a modified Spanish type may be used in place of Tudor, which does not give the feeling of cool spaces so necessary in hot climates. The Bangalore type is also popular in the south. There are many architects in this country who understand thoroughly the plan and spirit of colonial times, and who succeed in giving to the comforts of modern days the true stamp of the 18th century. The style makes most delightful houses and with the great supply of appropriate furniture from which to choose, it would be hard to fail in having a charming whole. The house and garden should be planned together to have the best effect. Each can be added to as time goes on, but when a plan is followed there is a look of belonging together which adds greatly to the charm. In an all-the-year country house a vestibule is a necessity as much as in a townhouse, and the hall should be treated with the dignity a hall deserves, and not as a second living room. In many English houses of Tudor days the stairs were behind a carved screen, or concealed in some manner, which made it possible to use the hall as a gathering place. Our modern hall is not a descendant of this old hall of a past day the living room is much more so, but is really only a passage, often raised to the th power, connecting the different rooms of the house, and should be treated as such. The stairs and landing and vista should be beautiful and the furnishing should be dignified and in perfect scale with the rest of the house. Marble stairs and tapestry and old carved furniture and beautiful rugs, or the simplest possible furniture, may be used, but the hall should have an impersonally hospitable air, one which gives the keynote of the house, but reserves its full expression until the privacy of the living rooms is reached. The average country house is neither very magnificent nor very simple, but strikes the happy medium and achieves a most delightful home-like charm which at the very outset makes life seem well worth living.
it is rarely furnished in a period style throughout, but has the modern air of comfort which good taste and correct feeling give. For instance, the hall may have paneling and Chippendale mirror, a table, and chairs, the living room furnished in a general colonial manner mixed with some comfortable stuffed furniture, but not overstuffed, lovely chintz or silk hangings, and a wide fireplace, the morning room on something the same plan, but a little less formal, and the drawing room a little more so. Say in Adam or simple Louis XVI furniture, the library should have plenty of comfortable sofas and chairs, and a large table it is hard to get one too large. Some of the bookcases should be built in to form part of the architectural plan of the room, and personally I think it is a better idea to have all the space intended for bookcases built in in the first place, as this ensures harmony of plan. Another important thing in a library is to have the lights precisely right, and the window seats and the fireplace should be all that their names imply in the way of added charm and comfort to the room. The dining room should be bright and cheerful and in harmony with the nearby rooms. A breakfast room done in lacquer is very charming. The bedrooms should be light and airy, and so planned that the beds can be properly placed. They may be furnished in old mahogany, French walnut in either Louis XV or XVI style, or in carefully chosen empire, painted atom furniture is also lovely, and willow furniture makes a fresh and attractive room. The curtains should be hung so they can be drawn at night if desired, and the material should be chosen to harmonize in design with the room. The children's rooms should be sunny and bright and furnished according to their special tastes, which if too astounding, as sometimes happens, can be tactfully guided into safe channels. The servants should be given separate bedrooms, a bathroom, and a comfortable sitting room beside their dining room. Making them comfortable seems a simple way of solving the servant question. The bungalow type of small country house is usually very simply furnished and the best type of mission furniture or willow is especially well sweet to it. Bangalows are growing more and more in favor, and, although they originated in America in the West, we find delightful ones everywhere, on the main coast and in the woods and mountains. They are a tremendous advance over the small and elaborate house of a few years ago. Cretan and chintz can be used in all the rooms of a country house with perfect propriety, and is a really lovely method of furnishing, as it is fresh and washable and comes in all gradations of price. Willow furniture with cretonne cushions makes a pleasant variety with mahogany in simple rooms. Fresh air and sunlight. Lovely vistas through doors and windows of the garden beyond. Cool and comfortable rooms furnished appropriately, and with an atmosphere about them which expresses a hospitable and charming home spirit, is the ideal standard for a country house. The nursery and playroom we should be thankful that the old idea of a nursery has passed away and instead of the dreary and rather shabby room has come the charming modern nursery with its special furniture and papers, its common sense and sanitary wisdom and its regard for the childish point of view. The influence of surroundings during the formative years of childhood has a deal to do with the child's future attitude toward life, and now that parents realize this more, the ideal nursery has simplicity, charm and artistic merit all sweet to the needs of its romping inhabitants. The wallpapers for nurseries are especially attractive with their gay friezes of wonderful fairy tale people. Mother Goose, Noah's Ark and happy little children playing among the flowers. Some of the designs come in sets of four panels that can be framed if desired. A Noah's Ark frieze with the animals marching two by two under the watchful eyes of the Noah family. With an ark and stiff little Noah's Ark trees will give endless pleasure if placed about three feet from the floor where small tops can take in its charm. If placed too high, it is very often not noticed at all. 
Some of the most attractive nurseries have painted walls with special designs stenciled on them. If any one of these friezes is placed above a simple wainscot, the effect is charming. The paper for nurseries is usually waterproof, for a nursery must be absolutely spick and span. Another thing that gives much pleasure in a nursery is to build on one side of the room a platform about a yard wide and six inches high, and cover it with cushions. The furniture in a day nursery should consist of a toy cupboard stained to match the color scheme of the room and large enough for each child to have his own special compartment in it. If the children's initials are painted or burned on the doors, it gives an added feeling of pride in keeping the toys in order. There are many designs of small tables and chairs made with good lines, and the wicker ones with gay cretonne cushions are very attractive. The tables and chairs should not have sharp corners and should be heavy enough not to tip over easily. There should be a bookcase for favorite picture books. Besides the special china for the children's own meals there should be a set of play china for dolls parties. A sand table, with a lump of clay for modeling. A blackboard and, in the spring, window boxes where the children can plant seeds, will all add vastly to the joy of life. And do not forget a comfortable chair for the nursemaid. White muslin curtains with side hangings of washable chintz or linen or some special nursery design in cretonne should hang to the sill. The colors in both day and night nurseries should be soft and cheerful, and the color scheme as carefully thought out as for the rest of the house. Both rooms should be on the sunny side of the house, and far enough away from the family living room to avoid anyone's being disturbed when armies charge up and down the playroom battleground or Indians start out on the warpath. The best floor covering for a day nursery is plain linoleum, as it is not dangerously slippery and is easily kept clean. If the floor is hardwood, it must not have a slippery wax finish. It will also save tumbles if the day nursery has no rugs. But the night nursery ought to have one large one or several small ones by the beds and in front of the open fire. Washable cotton rugs are best to use for this purpose. When children are very small, it is necessary to have sides to the beds to keep them from falling out. The beds should be placed so that the light does not shine directly in the children's eyes in the morning. And there should be plenty of fresh air. The rest of the night nursery furniture should consist of a dressing table, a chest of drawers, a night table and some chairs. There should be a few pictures on the walls hung low, and beautiful and interesting in subjects and treatment. The fire should be well screened. Pictures like the songs of childhood, for instance, would be charming simply framed. If there is only one nursery for both day and night use, the room should be decorated as a day nursery and the bed cover made of white dimity with a border of the curtain stuff or made entirely of it. Curtains the modern window, with its huge panes of glass and simple framework, makes an insistent demand for curtains. Without curtains windows of this kind give a blank, staring appearance to the room and also a sense of insecurity in having so many holes in the walls. The beautiful windows of the 17th and 18th centuries in Italy, England and France give no such feeling of incompleteness, for their well-carved frames, and over windows, and their small panes of glass, were important parts of the decorative scheme, windows and doors were more than mere openings in those days, but things have changed, and the hard lines of our perfectly full windows get on our nerves if we do not soften them with drapery, in that hopeless time in the last century called, early Victorian, when black walnut reigned supreme. The curtains were as terrifying as the curves of the furniture and the colors of the carpets. Luckily most of us know only from pictures what that time was, but we all have seen enough remnants of its past glories to be thankful for modern ways and days. The overdraped, stuffy, upholstered nightmares have entirely disappeared, 
and in their place have come curtains of a high standard of beauty and practicality simple, appropriate, and serving the ends they were intended for. The effect of curtains must be taken into account from both the outside and the inside of the house. The outside view should show a general similarity of appearance in the windows of each story, in the manner of hanging the curtains and also of material. The shades throughout the house should be of the same color, and if a different color is needed inside for the sake of the color scheme, either two shades should be used or they should be the double-faced kind. Shades should also be kept drawn down to the same line, or else be rolled up out of sight for there is nothing that gives a more ill-kept look to a house than having the shades and curtains at any haphazard height or angle. And now to return to our muttons. The average window needs two sets of curtains and a shade, sometimes a thin net or lace curtain. A bonfem is hung close to the glass, but this is usual only in cities where privacy has to be maintained by main force, or where the curtains of a floor differ greatly. Thin curtains in combination with side curtains of some thicker material are most often used, Curtains either make or mar a room, and they should be carefully planned to make it a perfect whole. They must be so convincingly right that one only thinks at first how restful and pleasant and charming the whole room is, the details come later. When curtains stand out and astound one, they are wrong. It is not a whole story one is trying to display, but to make a perfect background for one's furniture, one's pictures and one's friends. There are so many materials to choose from that all tastes and purses can be sweeped. Nets, thin silk and gauzes, scrims and batistes, cotton and silk crepes, muslin or dotted Swiss, cheesecloth, solil cloth, mattress, and a host of other fascinating fabrics which may be used in any room of the house. The ready-made curtains are also charming. There are muslin curtains with applique borders cut from flowered cretonne, sometimes the cretonne is applique on net which is let into the curtain with a 4-inch hem at the bottom and sides. A simpler style has a band of flowered muslin sewed on the white muslin, or used as a ruffle. It is also added to the balance. There are many kinds of net and lace curtains ready for use that will harmonize with any kind of room. Some of the expensive ones are really beautiful examples of needlecraft, with lace medallions and insertions and embroidery stitches. When it comes to the question of side curtains the supply to choose from is almost unlimited, and this great supply forms the bog in which so many are lost. A thing may be beautiful in itself and yet cause woe and havoc in an otherwise charming room. There are linens of all prices, and croutons, both the inexpensive kind and the wonderful shadow ones. There are silks and velvets and velours, aurora cloth, cotton crepe and arras cloth, and a thousand other beautiful stuffs that are cheap or medium priced or expensive, whose names only the shopman knows, but which win our admiration from afar. The curtains for a country house are usually of less valuable materials than those for a town house, and this is as it should be, for winter life is usually more formal than summer life. Nothing can be prettier, however, for a country house than croutons. It is fresh and dainty and gives a cool and delightful appearance to a room. Among the many designs there are some for every style of decoration. Illustration, the arrangement of sofa and table are excellent, but there should be other centers of interest in the room. As it island this room just misses its aim, and is neither a strict period room nor a really comfortable modern one. The height and size of a room must be taken into account in hanging curtains, for with their aid, and also that of wallpaper, we can often change a room of bad proportions to a one of seemingly good ones. If a room is very low, a stripe more or less marked in the design, and the curtains straight to the floor, will make it seem higher. A high room may have the curtains reach only to the sills with a valance across the top, 
This style may be used in a fairly low room if the curtain material is chosen with discretion and is not of a marked design. If the windows are narrow they can be made to seem wider by having the rod for the side curtains extend about 8 inches on each side of the window, and the curtain cover the frame and a part of the wall. This leaves all the window for light and air. A balance connecting the side curtains and covering the top of the net curtains will also make the window seem broader. A group of three windows can be treated as one by using only one pair of side curtains with a connecting ruffle, and a pair of net curtains at each window. Curtains may hang in straight lines or be simply looped back, but fancy festooning is not permissible. There is another attractive method of dividing the curtains in halves, the upper sections to hang so they just cover the brass rod for the lower sections, which are pushed back at the sides. These lower sections may have the rod on which they are run fastened to the window sash if one wishes. They will then go up with the window and of course keep clean much longer, but to my mind it is not so alluring as a gently blowing curtain on a hot day. I have seen a whole house curtain most charmingly in this manner, with curtains of unbleached muslin etched with a narrow little ruffle. They hung close to the glass and reached just to the sill with the lower part pushed back at the sides. The outside view was most attractive, and the inside curtains varied according to the needs of each room. Illustration, a charming window treatment, in a room whose color scheme is carried out in the garden, giving a unique and delightful touch. Casement windows should have the muslin curtains drawn back with a cord or a muslin band, and the side curtains should hang straight, with a lit.